Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi. That's my best Jill Zarin showing up at Scary Island. Hi. (laughs) It's like the worst sound. Hi, guys. I'm sorry to be coming to you so late. I deeply apologize. I mean, like, I don't really. No, of course I apologize. I basically just had really terrible time management this week. Instead of... So I had plans yesterday on Saturday. Usually I record, often I record on Saturday. So when I can't record on Saturday, I record on Friday. Um, except that I had forgotten that I had to have, not had to, but I had dinner plans with my dad and stepmom on Friday. And I didn't record on Thursday because I had forgotten I had dinner plans on Friday. So I was like going to record on Friday and then... You know, it was just, like, this whole bad timing for me. Basically, just, like, really bad time management. I know a lot of you like to wake up on Sundays and have this pod, so I apologize. It won't happen often. I don't think it's happened often at all. The only times that I've been late on a podcast have usually been, like, technical difficulty reasons. Like, uh, my producer isn't able to get it up for various technical difficulty stuff. (laughs) Oh my god, I just hiccuped. I'm really sorry. Oh, excuse me. So, first of all, I just finished watching the Broad City series finale, and it was really lovely. Broad City was a show that was, like, really important to me in the first two seasons, and then I, like, kind of kept forcing myself to watch it, but I liked this last season. I thought it did a good job. Season one of Broad City, season two is good, too, but season one of Broad City is, like, so fucking funny. It's so funny. Abby, the the episode, I think it's Pussyweed, where Abby smokes too much pot and then she <laughs> dropped, like she karate kicks the cutout person while screaming, I'm not a mom, is probably like a top three TV comedy moment for me. Um, my other top two, well can only think of one other one off the top of my head but my favorite tv comedy moment of all time in case anybody's wondering is in it's always sunny in philadelphia in the episode who pooped the bed which is actually not an episode i love i kind of find i don't love gross humor like that but i love like the b plot of that episode which is sweet d like having girls day <laughs> a girl's day and she goes to steal a pair of shoes and runs out of the building and falls out of the shoes and her head slams into a car door is one of the fucking funniest things that's ever been on TV. Basically, I just love women in comedy. But yeah, I love early seasons Broad City. It, re- it lost its way. It was time for it to end, but I thought it was it, it was a really cute series finale. Um, also, are you guys, do you guys watch You're the Worst? Because that has its series finale coming up next week. I'm really looking forward to that. That's another one that, like, the first two seasons, with especially season two, 
being just like out of this world amazing that kind of lost its path, but I've been really enjoying the season, the final season of it. What else do I watch on TV? You guys don't care, but I kind of want to talk about this. This isn't a bonus episode, so I'm not going to get too deep in, but I love better things. Oh, and I started watching the act on Hulu and here's the thing. I fucking hate the way that Hulu releases TV. Why do they not just drop everything at once? They do this with Handmaids. I think that's the only other original that I watch on Hulu. Um, Why do they do this thing where we have to wait weekly to watch a show? I thought that the act was all out. I don't know why I thought this because it's on fucking Hulu and I should have assumed. And I was like, okay, I'm going to settle in. I'm going to binge watch the act. It will be great. And then it like episode three, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Um, I find it good. Patricia Arquette is like amazing at everything she ever fucking does. So she's like so good as Dee Dee Blanchard. Um, I can't remember who's playing Gypsy Rose. By the way, like, aren't we not supposed to be saying that word? Gypsy? It's a slur. We should call her GR. So the girl who plays GR is like, She's good, and I really loved Mommy, Dead, and Dearest, the HBO documentary. Um, even though, like, R.I.P. Sword and Scale, but not R.I.P. because that guy's a creep. The Sword and Scale episode on G.R. Blanchett is really, really good. I definitely recommend listening to that, even though I don't like Sword and Scale very much. As I said, the creep is a ho- the host is a creep. I just, I've never liked that show very much. I always felt like he was really, like, left in violence for violence sake, which I didn't love. And I, I don't know, I just wasn't that into that podcast as a whole, but that episode was really good. Um, There's a good, I think, BuzzFeed long form article on her as well. So I was kind of like, do we really need a TV show? But the TV show is good. I'm just pissed that I can't binge watch it all at once. You know, it's 2019. Like, I don't really have any interest in watching shows weekly. (laughs) Also, The Good Fight is back. It's very good. I'm really enjoying The Good Fight. It's very timely. Um, I love The Good Wife. I am a big Good Wife stan, except really only the first. I'm very picky, obviously, apparently, with my TV shows. I love, love, love the first two seasons of The Good Wife. For me, The Good Wife falls apart when Alicia and Kalinda, spoiler alert, but the show is like eight years old, so... When Alicia and Kalinda stop being friends, really, to me, like, the heart of the show is Alicia and Kalinda. So when they, like, separate from one another, it kind of kills the show for me. And I really like that The Good Fight has a lot of the same themes and actors and tone, obviously, because it's a spinoff and it's by the same people. But I don't have to worry about being so angry that Alicia and Kalinda are no longer friends. Now, I would really, really like a Kalinda cameo on The Good White, on the good Fight. I would actually like Kalisha. Uh, wow, I just said her name 16 times. Kalisha. Is that her name? Wow. Do you ever say something a million times? Then you're like, wait, is that actually what that character's name is? Now I'm in my head. But I would really like her to come have a role on The Good Fight because I really like The Good Fight. Um, and that's it. Oh, and I saw Us and I didn't like Us. <laughs> I thought like the scary parts were just scary for scariness sake. And the movie really fell apart in the second half for me. I'm not going to do spoilers, but look, the acting was phenomenal. Lupita Nyong'o is like fucking incredible. Elizabeth Moss is my Scientology queen. She was perfect in this, but Lupita was just like, I, I mean, 
give that lady an Oscar. She was so good. The child actors were really good, which is, you know, rare. Uh, the man who played her husband was really good. I just, the acting was incredible. The cinematography was beautiful. It was really, like, visually well done. And the score was great. And, like, a lot of the fight scenes were great. I'm not a horror movie fan, so maybe I'm just, like, not the best judge of it. But I don't really like being scared, and I didn't even really feel that scared during it. Um, but I just felt like it had almost no psychological effect to it. And maybe it's not fair to compare it to Get Out, but the reality is that's Jordan Peele's other film. And Get Out was so incredible and had such a great story. And it was clear that he spent years, like, perfecting that script. And the psychological element of Get Out was incredible. And in my opinion, for us, I guess this is a little bit of spoiler, but it's not because it's, like, in the trailer. But I think Jordan Peele wanted to make a movie about twins and just, like couldn't land the concept um it just like early in the movie I guess this the twist but then I was like no if that's the twist this movie won't make sense and it was the twist and I was like well this movie doesn't make sense then there was just a ton of potholes I read some stuff on twitter and the internet afterwards that I guess like explain the potholes plot holes but my thing is it's like I personally don't think that if you see a movie and you feel like it makes no sense, I don't think you should have to go on the internet and read some, like, fan theory that could better explain things if the movie did itself. To me, that's, like, not good filmmaking. But the act, the acting and the score and the cinematography being so incredible made it so I wasn't, like, angry that I, you know, spent $15 on the movie, but it definitely, it fell apart at the end. But whatever, I'm happy for Jordan Peele. I've been following Jordan Peele for a really long time, and his come-up has been beyond incredible, and like I said, give Lupita Nyong'o the Oscar. Please. Please give her the Oscar. She was incredible. Like, the way she was walking (laughs) when she was red was so crazy. But yeah, so what happened in Team Mom? Oh, we need to talk about something off the bat. Guys, I know Janelle looks like Diane Downs. If you don't know who Diane Downs is, she is um, an infamous woman who killed, I believe, two of her children, sons. She, like, drove, I don't remember exactly what happened, but she used to be, like, very popular in, like, late 90s, early 2000s true crime stuff on TV, which is, you know, obviously when I got very into true crime, because that's when I was a tween and teen, like, getting into things. This happened in, I believe, the late 80s or the early 90s. It was, like, a crazy case. She blamed it on, you know, a random intruder or a random attacker, but it was her. She was pregnant during the trial, so she went on to have a child that was obviously taken away from her and adopted, and she looks a lot like Janelle. Now, this is, like, literally the oldest joke in Teen Mom Land, and I just don't care to talk about it, and I apologize if, like, you hadn't heard that joke before, and so you, like, want me to, like laugh about it, like, make all these comments, but Janelle being Diane Downs has been, like, on the internet since 2011. I know it's coming up again because they did that 2020 special, which I I believe about Diane's daughter, the one that was adopted out when she was born. I need to watch that, but it's just not, I just don't, like, it's just so old news to me. It's so old news to me that there there's nothing to say. They look like, yeah. But Janelle also looks just like Kristen Stewart. The fact is, like, anybody that has a prominent, like, Jay Leno chin slash jaw and, like, deep set eyes looks like Janelle. Janelle has a lot of people that she looks like. 
What else happened this week? Oh, Leah liked some tweet about her and Jeremy getting back together. Because as I've posted on my EBP underscore feathers Instagram, Leah's so fucking obvious when she's, like, back messing around with Jeremy. That girl cannot help herself. She breaks up with Jason and is back with Jeremy, like, within a second. Which I just find to be really fucked up to do to their kids. Um, I don't think it's fair. Like, if she wants to fuck Jeremy, like, whatever, do it when Addie's with her grandparents. Like, I don't think it's fair to include Addie in it, especially, like, Addie is now, what, she's six? She's just old enough to understand what's going on and understand that she is, like, mom and dad. If they're hanging out, like, she's just old enough to get it. And I just think it's really gross for Leah to, like, include Addie in that. Also, Leah dyed her hair this, like, ashy brown, and it looks terrible. And as you all know, I'm, like, a real brown brown hair fan. I stand for brunettes. But Leah, it, it washes her out. It doesn't look good. Mino like. I think that's all that happened in T-Mom World. Oh, David's back on Instagram, but I don't really care. Here's the thing. Like, I don't care about David unless it's in the context of, like, something actually happening. Like, David being on Instagram doesn't really doesn't really mean anything to me because it's like I don't care like I don't care about David just like posting his racist sexist homophobic bullshit like as far as I'm concerned that doesn't really have relevance to teen mom he's not on the show there it's just like we know David is racist sexist homophobic etc we know he's fucking crazy there's just nothing I'm not interested in his Instagram, really. I'm not interested in following his social media presence. I'll be interested next time he talks about, like, murdering Kale or whatever he does. But, like, David being on social media is just, like, okay. (laughs) You know, it's a very okay thing for me. Oh, Janelle and David took the kids to Dick's Last Resort this week. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's... I think it's a chain. There is one in Myrtle Beach. I'm assuming that's where they were. Um, I'm sure the kids were on spring break this week, and that's why they went there. But there is, like, there's a chain of them, and the idea is, like, you go, and the waiters are so mean to you, and you get bad service, and the waiters are, like, actors, and it's a whole experience, and everybody that comes gets, like, a hat that, like, says, like, I have a small dick, basically, on them. Or I'm ugly. Like, insults. The whole idea is, like, insulting. I've never been to a dick's last resort because why the f- I, to me, I don't, I don't understand that. That's, like, an entertain a form of entertainment that is not for me. <laughs> not for me at all. But I know some people really like that type of thing. Maybe if I still drank, like, it could be funny. But mm, not for me. And they took the kids there, which is inappropriate. Like, I I don't understand why they took the kids there. I don't understand why Dix lets kids in. Like, if I ran Dix Last Resort, I would probably say you have to be 16 or older to come in, let's say. And Marissa's hat said something like, future teen mom. And Jason said, 40-year-old virgin. Which is inappropriate. Like, it, I, I, it's just, it's not appropriate. They're both sexual don't like it. Jace is, what, nine? Marissa's, like, 11 or 12. I I just think it's gross and weird, but at the same time, like, I don't think it's a huge deal. Like, people were calling it child abuse, and I'm not sure I'd go quite that far. I just, it's just weird. It's just weird to take your kids there, and I also think it's weird of, 
here's the thing. Like, if I took my kids there, I think I would expect the waiters to, like, understand that they were children and not give them sexual hats. Like, I, I think it's very weird that the waiters wouldn't give them, like, dunce or dumbest kid in class, which is so... <laughs> I just don't get it. But I just, I'm not sure why the waiter would go like full sexualization of these children. But I also don't think it's the end of the world, especially for kids like Jason Marissa, who, and this isn't fair. And I understand this, but this is like my deepest feeling on this. I think that me as a person, when I see Jason Marissa and things happening to them, I'm like, well, I mean, their life really sucks. Like, that's not that bad. <laughs> Which is an inappropriate response. And I understand that. Because when I see them at Dick's Last Resort, I'm like, literally, who cares? Like, David probably beats Chanel in front of them. Like, this is the least important thing to worry about. But, like, if I saw, Chel like, Chelsea take her kids there with, like, Aubrey having a future teen mom hat on, I would be horrified. Because, like, Aubrey lives, like, a normal, regular life. And isn't, like, subjected to insults and grossness like that. And so I feel like it'd be more upsetting. But Jason Marissa, like, Tomlin, I think, I think it was Tomlin, was it you, Tomlin, said, she was like, I mean, it's inappropriate, but it's not like Jace hasn't seen that movie. <laughs> Which is absolutely true because we know Jace is allowed to watch whatever he wants. And he probably watches it on HBO when he's at Chanel's house. So, yeah, that's it. Oh, and update. I am going to start, I'm planning in my head that I am going to start doing these recaps where I briefly recap whatever happened in this week's episode and then recap older episodes. I just, I'm not really sure when I'm going to start. Oh, and that reminds me, um, basically, apparently very few people are going to the reunion. Kale's not going, Brianna's not going, Janelle's probably not going. I understand why, I don't really understand. Stand why Bree's not going unless Bree's not like Bree's not invited, which I wouldn't be that surprised. But I can understand why Kale isn't going, and I know people hate Kale, but I, if Janelle and David are going, I would not be going if I was Kale. You know, like especially we just we know how David talks about Kale online, and I have heard her say like they can guarantee my safety like at like MTV Studios. But, like, they can't, not at the hotel, and I agree with that. I don't really think David will do anything, but I don't, if I was Kale, I would not like the idea of being in the same place as David, and I would find it very, I don't know, I, I don't think Kale is genuinely scared, and I definitely think there is, like, a part of her that's doing this for attention, but... If MTV, like, can't guarantee my safety and can't guarantee that David won't be in the same city as me, like, if I'm Kale, I probably wouldn't want to go either. Now, there's also the fact that Kale tried to fight Brie last year. If you guys will remember, like, she's the one that started the fight in the room that we couldn't see. So, I mean, if anybody should not be invited to this reunion... Like, Kale's actually physically fought, tried to fight someone, and then had a physical altercation with someone. So, Kale and Brie both shouldn't be invited. So, it's really hard for me to listen to Kale being like, they can't guarantee my safety, when she, like, actively tried to fight someone at last year's reunion. <laughs> Just call off the reunion. End the reunions. We don't need them. We truly don't need reunions. This isn't the Real Housewives. Okay, let's talk about this week. 
what happened? Oh, I really liked Chelsea scenes this week because I'm really mad at Chelsea. But I think she's the only one that anyone interested in happened to. So let's start with Leah. Jeremy is making more of an effort to see Addie. By the way, did you guys notice that Jason was not in this episode at all? Jason was not referenced in this episode. So I'm wondering if this is when um, her and Jason had broken up for the first time. Timeline-wise, it would make sense. But basically, all that happened this week is that Allie has to go to the eye doctor because apparently, I don't, did we know this? She can't see out of her left eye at all. The optic nerve just like doesn't work in the left eye and she has to get new glasses. Leah did make a weird comment to Allie that was like, you're going to go to your, the eye doctor and then daddy's going to buy you glasses since I bought them last time. And I was like, why? <laughs> Allie's like nine. Did did Allie need to hear that? I just thought it was like a weird, I don't think she said it as a dig. I I don't think she was trying to like dig at her. I just thought it was a weird thing to say to a kid. Like a kid doesn't know who's, pe- need to know who's paying for what this time. Did anybody else notice outside of the eye doctor? <laughs> there was a bright yellow PT Cruiser with flames down the side of it. I used to have a manager who drove a purple PT Cruiser with flames down the side of it. It was so ugly. <laughs> remember when PT Cru- I remember the first summer PT Cruisers came out, and at the beach, like, so many people had bought them, and my dad called them PT Loser Cruisers. <laughs> They're so ugly. I'm really glad that they fell out of favor, if you will. So, basically, the eye doctor is totally uneventful. The doctor just really stresses that Allie needs to basically protect her good eye because she has one bad eye. Now, I don't know if I've ever discussed this on the podcast, but my grandma has a degenerative eye disorder that is probably hereditary. So, I'm probably going to go blind one day. And it's just something that, like, I've accepted and I'm going to be really proactive about going blind and once I start losing my eyesight I'm gonna work really hard to like learn how to be blind before I already go blind but it's just something that like my grandma is essentially completely blind and has been um it started with that she couldn't see at night and in bad glares that started when she was like I don't know um in her how old is she now she's about to be 90 the the night vision got really bad when I was like 12 or 13 probably um and I'm 30 now so so when she was like in her 60s and then it like progressively got worse and now she is just basically completely blind and she had like it's a degenerative eye disorder and it is genetic and they can't there's no cure for it as of now uh basically there's one tiny little part of her eye that she can see out of And they have, like, I guess tried to train her so that she can use that tiny little part of her eye. But I don't think it's been very successful. Um, It happened pretty quickly once, you know, like, it was probably three or four years that she couldn't see at night. And then after that, it was, like, within probably, so it probably took her less than 10 years to go completely blind, which, like, is scary. Um, And she's been... Basically completely blind. Julia, how long would you say? Probably 10 plus years now. So, you know, 
not maybe like eight years. I'm a little off of my timeline, but she's been completely blind for many, many, many years and can't live independently. And, um, she was living independently for until like a couple years ago, but it's hard for her. And it's, I mean, not that I'm saying like being blind is miserable, but it's very hard to go blind when you've been blind or when you've been able to see your whole life. And I just like, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get it. So I guess I have that in common with Allie is what I'm saying. Um, Yeah, it's like pretty awful watching someone go blind. So I definitely felt for Allie in that moment. Uh, Leah and Corey have a good talk about it. And the producer is like, "How how do you guys like have that amazing relationship? And Leah talks about the fact that they had to really work at it because at one point she wasn't in a good place physically or mentally. And I was like, yes, sis, we know. We watched this show. (laughs) But now I I liked what she said. She said, we're on the same team even though we aren't together. And I thought that was very mature of Leah. I wonder if she heard Jason say that about his ex. (laughs) It seemed beyond Leah's maturity, if you will. Okay, let's go to Janelle right after a five-second break. So Janelle and Barbara go out for dinner, and we get the big surprise reveal that Janelle or Barbara texted Andrew's mom for an address so they could come visit, and Andrew's mom never answered her. Now, you know, as Barbara said, Andrew's mom's husband, Andrew's father, is dying of cancer. I think that we can definitely forgive that a little, but the reality is, as I said last week, is that Jace is nine years old and his mom has never reached out ever. And as we know from Janelle 16 pregnant, like Jace's Jace's grandparents, Andrew's parents know who Barbara is. Barbara and her, his dad had quite a few scenes together. They could absolutely reach out and they didn't. I cannot imagine my son having a child and just him abandoning the child and then me just never ever contacting the child's family so that I could be part of the child's life. You know, if your son's a dirtbag, like it's one thing, but to just completely ignore that grandchild is fucked up. And I am not surprised that they weren't there for Jace's whole life and they're not actually interested in being there for him now. I think that Andrew's mom got on the phone and maybe had good intentions and was like, yeah, for sure. I want to see him. But then when push came to shove, just like isn't interested in it. They've had a long fucking time, a long time to contact Barbara, Janelle, Jace, anyone, and they haven't done so. And I don't think it'd be the best idea. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I guess it'd be fine for Jace to meet Andrew's mom, but I don't really... I just can't imagine that she's a very good person if she has gone almost 10 years without making any effort to to contact her grandchildren. So, oh, there's a funny scene. They're out at an Italian dinner and Barbara, like, doesn't know how to pronounce the wine. And then the food comes and they, like, don't understand what the garnish is versus what the actual food is. (laughs) Like, they're making the garnish so fancy now. That was a really, that was a good classic Barbara scene when she was, like, trying, I don't even know what kind of wine it was. It almost sounded like she was asking for Pinot Noir, but maybe that wasn't it. But I just, 
I love, I love a Barb, like, not knowing things scene. It's really, those are really good scenes. So, Janelle says that, hold on, I've totally lost my place. Barbara says that they're better than they've ever been, and Janelle appreciates that Barbara isn't badgering her. (laughs) Which, honestly, I think there's a truth to that, because I think it's part of the... Okay, as I've... I think I've said this. I've always felt this way, at least. I think one of the main issues in Barbara and Janelle's relationship is that Barbara picks and picks and picks at Janelle... Then Janelle explodes, they have a big fight, and then Barbara wants to act like nothing ever happened and picks and picks and picks, you know, rinse and repeat a million times over. But the thing is, it's like Barbara isn't wrong, and that's why it's kind of hard to hate on her for doing this, because usually what she says to Janelle is completely accurate. So I think as a viewer, when you watch these scenes, you're like, Barbara's not doing anything wrong. She's right. But Janelle has a point that, like, It's hard to have a good relationship with someone that's picking at you, even if they are in the right, you know, and now that Barbara is like sat back and isn't criticizing Janelle for her relationship with David and the life choices that she's making, they are able to get along. And is that a good thing? I mean, it depends on who you ask. Personally, I think the best thing would be for Janelle and Barbara probably to have no contact because they're pretty unhealthy together. And I think that Janelle being in Jace's life is like very, very unhealthy. And in my opinion, as I've said a million times, like Barbara's prioritizing her relationship with Janelle over the safety of Jace. But I do think that like a relationship where Barbara isn't picking at Janelle is going to be one that's more positive because Janelle's going to do what the fuck she wants to do no matter what. You know, Barbara's opinion doesn't really mean shit to Janelle. It's never mentioned to Janelle probably not since she was a little kid, because, and this is unfortunate for Barbara, Barbara's delivery has always been to scream. So I think from a very young age, Janelle, like, decided that she did not care what her mom had to say about her or her life, because she was very mean to her. And that is kind of a consequence of being an emotionally abusive and verbally abusive parent, is that the child often is like, okay, go fuck yourself. I don't want, I don't care what your opinion is on anything. So Janelle and Barbara can have this mother-daughter relationship where Barbara at every turn makes her often right opinion known and that just results in Janelle screaming at her and them having a blow up or Barbara can keep those opinions to herself and she can actually have a relationship with Janelle and the kids that's positive. Now, is that healthy? I don't think so because I think in the end... That, unfortunately, it becomes Barbara enabling Janelle. But the fact is, like, neither Barbara nor Janelle is a very healthy person. So no matter what relationship they have, it's not going to be very healthy. And I do think that this version of their relationship where Barbara keeps her mouth shut and Janelle can confide in her and spend time with her is a more healthy version than what they've had for the last 10 years. I mean, it's, it's definitely hard to watch Barbara, like... And I think she goes too far. And I think, like, she needs to find, if this is, like, the route that she wants to go with Janelle, she needs to find a balance between not picking at Janelle and, like, totally feeding into Janelle's bullshit, which now we're seeing her do. And that's, like, where the, this is, like, bad and enabling comes from. You know, when all of a sudden she's, like, completely turned on Nate, um, 
that she, like, would go on that live stream and say she wanted to kill Kale, which still, by the way, like, I'm totally team Barbara in that. It was so fucking obvious that she was kidding. Kale acting like she thinks Barbara's gonna be a threat to her is is so funny. Although, Barbara talked, like, mad shit about Kale in this episode, and I was like, since when does Barbara not like Kale? <laughs> it was such a weird, it was really weird. Barbara's acting really weird in this episode. But I think that, like, Barbara has an inability. I Barbara is either, like, so on Team Janelle that she, like, agrees with everything she says, hypes her up, like, hates everybody that Janelle hates, or she's, like, so against Janelle that all she does is, like, fight with her and tell her wrong, and I think there needs to be a more healthy, happy medium, but I don't think there ever will be a healthy, happy medium because these two are incapable of healthy, happy mediums, you know, unless Janelle like, dumps David, goes into a year-long treatment facility for comorbidity of drug and alcohol addiction, as well as mental health issues, and gets serious, serious help, probably DBT therapy, and I know DBT therapy is, like, repetitive, like, same PIN number, but whatever. Um, I think, like, unless she does that, then there will never be a healthy, happy medium in anything in Janelle's life. Um, but I just wish that Barbara could be on Janelle's, not side, but be in Janelle's life without being such an enabling presence. But I do think that Barbara enabling Janelle is better than Barbara fighting with Janelle, right? I do, do I think that? I think I think that. I'm gonna have to sit on, I'm gonna have to sit on that one for a minute because I'm not, I'm not sure if that. If I think there are just two sides of the same coin, unfortunately. Um, but at least one, it means that Barbara knows Kaiser and Ensley, and Barbara is, you know, happier and Janelle is happier. Um, I do, I, I keep saying, like, I've talked about this before in this episode. Why do I keep saying that? Do I say it in every episode? Probably don't let me know. I do, as I I know I've stated this before, I do not believe that Barbara and Janelle need to be getting along for Janelle to turn to Barbara when she leaves David. Because I think that no matter what state of relationship they're in, uh, Janelle knows that Barbara will always show up when she needs her. Always, always. She always has. She always will. I don't thing I see a lot online well Barbara's just being nice to Janelle now because like she wants to help Janelle leave and they need to be close but I think Janelle and Barbara cannot talk for three years and Janelle could call Barbara and say like I need to leave David can you come to the house and Barbara would be on her way so I don't think she's necessarily doing it in like a way to stay close to Janelle so Janelle has a way to leave I think she just loves Janelle and wants Janelle and her to be close, you know, I, I think it's easy to, like, come up with all of these reasons for why Barbara suddenly is, like, kowtowing to Janelle, and I think the most basic is that she deeply loves her daughter and deeply wants to be part of her daughter's life, regardless of who is in her daughter's life. So, we see, woo, the very fun video of Janelle setting the peace offering of Kale's Pothead CBD hair care line on fire, which I still think is very funny. Um, I could watch that clip a million times when Janelle almost burns herself is so fucking funny. Like, she's so stupid. 
Janelle's just a fucking idiot. And David really brings out, like, just, like, the extreme, like, stupidity in Janelle. And watching her, like, jump back from that flame because she almost burns herself is hilarious. I still think it's really funny that she burned that and posted it. Like, if I was on the, if I was Kale, I might not think it's funny, but me, Liz Bentley, thinks it's really funny. By the way, apparently the reason people think that I have blonde hair is because of my valley girl accent, which I think is funny. It's just called a vocal fry. We all have it now. <laughs> um, so after the the burning of the peace offering, which then Janelle goes on to call peace gathering about 72 times. Kristen FaceTimes Janelle from the MTV studios and they were like MTV studios, you know, the Chiron. And I was like so excited. I thought we were going to get like an executive meeting. Like, what are we going to do about Janelle? But no, it was just old Kristen FaceTiming Janelle. By the way, Kristen like was fresh from a blowout and her hair looked amazing. (laughs) Did you guys notice that? It looked really good. So Kristen FaceTimes Janelle and Janelle is like, look, I don't like that Kale talks tons of shit on me. Then she sends me this package out of nowhere and gives an interview saying that she's sending it as a peace gathering gift. Okay, I'm not on Janelle's side here, but I don't disagree with her, although Although, if Kayla had sent that pothead PR package to every other person except Janelle, Janelle also would have had a flip out. So Janelle really, or Kayla really isn't a damned if she does damned if she doesn't position. But she also could have just sent it to Janelle and then not said shit. Like when the Ashley, whoever she talked to, asked like, did you send one to Janelle? She could have said, yeah, I sent them to all the girls. And I get like what Janelle means when she says like, Kayla talks all this shit she does all this shit and then she like tells the tabloids that she's sending it to me as I'm just gonna say peace offering just so we all understand what I'm saying (laughs) I'm not gonna speak Janelle during this but when she sends it to me as a peace offering like it's bullshit it's not real it's just her looking for attention because she hasn't reached out to me or apologized to me not that Kayla owes Janelle an apology but if I'm Janelle like I understand that. I don't think that's an unreasonable position. Now, the unreasonable thing is to, like, burn the hair care line and then post the, yourself burning it to Instagram. <laughs> that's the unreasonable part of it, and it's totally unreasonable for her to do that. But I don't find it unreasonable that Janelle was mad about it, especially when, during all of this, Kale then gets on her podcast and says that David needs a psych evaluation. Now, is Kale wrong? No! Of course David needs a psych evaluation. But don't give a fucking interview talking about peace offerings and then talk about, like, Janelle's husband. That, it's so hard because it's like Janelle's so, she's not actually in the wrong about this, but she is because David is her husband. And because she's a bad person. So, like, anything that she's claiming, you know, is is not, she's like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It does, like, she's not saying it's fine. Anything that Janelle is arguing is, like, in the right here, but then she's, like, also in the wrong because 
when she's like, and then she said my husband needed a psych evaluation. It's like, okay, well, he does need a psych evaluation. But the bottom line is, like, don't give an interview saying that you're trying to make peace with Janelle and then, like, two days later talk shit about her and her husband. Because if you really, like, want to make peace with her, then you wouldn't do that. And if you don't care to make peace with her, which clearly she does not make care to make peace with her, then just don't say shit about why you sent her the hair care line. They could have said, oh, so you sent it to Janelle? And she said, yeah, that's it. She didn't have to make a statement about it. Janelle says she's just, like, sick of all the drama with Kale. And then we get a scene of Kaiser having a tantrum and Marissa calming him down and Janelle being like, dude, seriously? And then Marissa calms him down. (laughs) So Janelle goes to meet with one of Excuse me, Barbara goes to meet with one of their old producers, which feels like, like, does she work for MTV? I don't know. I thought it was a weird setup. I thought it was a really weird setup. So, but, uh, Barb talks about the drama and she's like, you know, Janelle's just so sick and tired of the drama. Kale always wants to start the drama. Always. And I'm like, that's not incorrect. Like, Kale always wants to start the drama always but I just thought it was Barbara was going like a little too hard for Janelle (laughs) like no nobody asked her to go that hard for Janelle you know it, it wasn't really necessary Barbara then says that um she is playing with David and she laughs about David raging on like online and I'm like it's not funny she's like well you know how David is online and it's like yeah he's racist homophobic sexist abusive, talks about children, like, he's disgusting online, like, it's actually quite threatening and terrifying from where I'm sitting, but sure, ha ha ha, let's laugh about it. I just, I can't, I can't really, can't really deal, I can't really deal with Barb, like, like I said, Barbara needs to find a more happy medium. I guess we'll talk about Kale now since their scenes are obviously linked. So Kale's like, I'm still not speaking with Joe, but I am talking to Chris again. (laughs) By the way, a lot of people reached out to me when I was asking about the Devil Book birthday parties last week. And apparently Kale said on her podcast that she had planned a birthday party. And then Javi went and invited all of Lincoln's school friends to her, to his party without telling Kale about it, and Kale didn't know until people started RSVPing to her because they, you know, like, assumed that she was part of it, and so her party had to be the one with, like, his non-school friends. Javi's so shitty. Javi is, like, he's so shitty. So, Javi and Lauren are having their baby soon. It's a true not care for me. I, like, truly... Do not care about Javi and Lauren and their baby. Remember when V got pregnant and Kale was like, well, I don't care. She's not part of my family. Like, that's how I feel (laughs) about Javi and Lauren. Unless they're fighting with Kale, I don't need to see baby Eli being born. I don't need to know about Lauren being nervous. Um, I, they're doing too much with Javi. We don't need hobby scenes unless they directly relate to, like, what's going on with Kale. We don't need, we don't need updates in Javi's life. I don't think any other men on this show get that. I guess Gary, 
I guess Gary gets some. Speaking of Gary's, I can't believe I forgot to talk about this. Gary Head started tweeting that, like, he needed to talk to Janelle this week. Janelle, Gary Head being Janelle's ex-fiance. And he was like, some things can be forgiven, but some things last a lifetime. It read very much like he had herpes or something serious. But then he tweeted, like, it was about a dog breeder. I'm guessing... So, Janelle and Gary had gotten a dog together, Brody, but then I think at one point Ryan Dolph had Brody, Janelle's ex-friend, so maybe it was about Brody. I don't know. But Gary Head is such a weirdo. I really, I hate Gary Head. Ugh, I hate him. So, Kale shows us the pothead PR boxes. I love the idea that Kale, like, worked so hard on this. Like, come on. Kale put her name on this, which, like, good for you. I actually think in the long run, like, it could be a smart investment, especially if people like the product and it's a good product. Like, I think that's a, I think that's a smart way for a teen mom to, like, get a brand is to partner with someone who knows what they're doing and become the face of it. I don't think that's a bad idea, but I don't buy this, like, Kale's working so hard on the PR boxes (laughs) and she FaceTimes with someone to show but I couldn't tell who it was and Kale says I'm sending one to Janelle and I think she'll use it as target practice which to me just like so when Kale's like I can't believe she burned it I don't want anything to do with her like Kale knew exactly what the fuck she was doing she knew exactly what the result would be it's that's why everything when Kale talks about like how scared she is of David and Janelle, it just rings so false to me. Kale is such a hypocrite in all walks of life that even when she's in the right, it's very hard to have any sort of empathy for her because she just is in the wrong in like the exact same situation, just doing something else. You know, it's it's like don't in one scene say that you know Janelle is going to use it as target practice and then in the next scene be like, I can't believe they sent it on fire. So that video went viral. I mean, I don't know how viral. Yeah, I mean, I guess like Us Weekly and shit posted it on their website. You know, they got like a People Mag online write up, probably. I feel like viral is a weird word for Teen Mom Universe because I'm not sure like I guess I just don't have an understanding of, like, when something goes viral in the teen mom world and that, like, we talk about it in Reddit or, like, when things go viral and that, like, people who don't watch teen mom would have heard of it. And I'm not sure, like, they would have heard of this hair burning, the hair care burning thing. I would say, like, Janelle pulling the gun out last season, like, that probably went viral because, like, a lot of people were talking about it. I even went on another podcast uh, Kate Casey's podcast to talk about it, like, and she never covers Teen Mom, but, like, it was such a big episode, she had to cover it. I don't think I, like, I would say that was a viral moment, and, like, some stuff Farrah does will go viral, but I don't know if I would call this viral. So, Becky comes with a case of twisted tea, which I thought was very funny, (laughs) and she shows, uh, Kale shows her the video. They're laughing about it. Apparently, she had $10,000 in sales that day that it happened. I do remember they, like, used code FIRE for 10% off or whatever. I'll be honest. Like, I don't understand. I don't not. I don't. Yeah, I guess I don't understand what 
dollars in sales in a day means like is that really good for your launch day because I think it was like basically their launch day is it how much should it cost to launch what would their normal sales have been I just wasn't I wasn't totally sure like what that really meant but Kale is she goes from laughing about it to talking about why she's really pissed at it she says that she's done a lot for Janelle Back in the early days, Janelle and Kale were actually quite close friends. I don't know if you guys know this. They were all friends, but Kale and Janelle particularly were the closest of the group. At one point, as she says, she j- bailed Janelle out of jail. I mean, it was like $125. Uh, at one point, Janelle was all fucked up with Kiefer in New Jersey. That's why she was in New Jersey. She was at Kiefer's, and she had no way to get to the airport. So as Kale says, she called off work and drove Janelle to the airport um, they have been, they haven't been friends since, like, probably 2013, maybe even earlier, like, 2012. They haven't been friends for a while now. So, it's kind of hard. When I hear Kayla, like, say, like, I did a lot for her. It's like, okay, but when you were 20, and you guys are, like, 28 now, So, it's hard for me to sit here and be like, oh, poor Kale was such a good friend to Janelle, and Janelle really fucked her over. Because, like, on one hand, that is what happened, but on the other hand, like, it was so long ago. And I don't love a person that, like, is friends with someone, and then they're not friends for six-plus years And then they're complaining about everything they did for them when they've been, like, not just not friends. Because, you know, sometimes, like, you'll just drift apart from friends and then something will happen. You'll be like, wow, that's shitty. I know we drifted apart, but, like, I had done a lot for them. But Kayla and Janelle have been, like, actively fighting this whole time. Like, not just not friends, but, like, we fucking hate each other. We are enemies. So for Kayla at this point in time to talk about everything she's done for Janelle rings a little hollow for me. I also think Kale is a person that keeps score. Uh, I mean, I think we saw that in her relationships. I think she is a person that, like, does with the expectation. with ex- She gives with the expectations. And that's another thing. I always talk about how, you know, we hate Kale because her qualities are so relatable in some ways. And I think that's definitely a relatable one, at least I'll speak for me, where you give with expectations And then you keep scoring you're mad when the person that you gave to does not respond the way that you want them to. I'm assuming Kale, much like me, is a praise monster and just wants everybody to tell them, like, how grateful they are for all the things that you've done for them. And I think Kale gets really mad when people don't do that. And I can relate to that. But Kale, like, we don't care that you took a day off work and drove Janelle to the airport. And you bailed her out of jail once for a hundred something dollars. Like, I mean, it's just, like, that's not so much. Like, that's just called being a friend. Although, I guess bailing someone out of jail is, like, a pretty big deal. But I don't know. I just... I just don't have a lot of sympathy for Kale in this situation. Um, She does say that, like, she's not sure about what exactly goes on with David and Janelle. And if David is... Like, if Janelle is just, like, ignoring the reality of David, which I think is probably true, and Becky isn't, like, Becky is, like, doesn't he say, like, homophobic stuff online? And Kale's like, yeah, he's the actual worst. So, Becky is, like, a voice of reason in this, and when she's like, you know, Janelle always says toxic boyfriends, 
And Kale's like, she brings the misery on herself. But then quickly, like, I swear to God, Kale read my mind and all of her minds when she goes, and I guess people say the same thing about me. Because <laughs> literally, as soon as she said, Janelle brings the misery on herself, like, I was typing, like, so do you. And then she, like, without missing a beat, says the same thing could be said about her. And I was like, okay, that's good. At least there's a little self-awareness there. Um, But Becky is basically just, like, I think trying to point out that, like, Janelle is a very sick person who is always in toxic relationships. And Kale's like, I don't care. I don't care. And that's when she declares she's not doing the reunion. And she still says that this week. And then baby Eli is born. But... Me no care. Do you remember what show was it? Recess was there an episode of Recess where everyone was saying me no no? I said I think that in my head all the time. Me no no, like in the voice that they said in it. <laughs> Must have been Recess. Okay, so Brianna is back from Puerto Rico, and they're like, "Well, Nova's not interested, so we're not going to change her name." <laughs> it's like Nova barely knows what her last name is, bitch. Like she's. It's, it's not about being interested. Ugh, it's just so silly. Um, and we find out that Lewis is moving down to Florida, like, way sooner than they expected. But I'm like, did I miss when they said Lewis was moving to Florida at all? It's, I mean, it's quite possible I missed it. But I didn't realize that the plan was for Lewis to move to Florida at all. So when they said, like, he's moving sooner than we thought, I was like, Okay. So, I do think it's weird the way that, like, their family talks about child support. Because Bree's like, well, you know, like, I put him on child support. And, like, just because he's moving here doesn't mean I'm going to take him off it. And it's like, yeah, no shit. (laughs) And she's like, but, you know, like, if he comes around and does what he's supposed to do, like, I'll consider it. And it's like, just keep him on child support. It's just weird. They talk about, like, these court things. Like, well, you know, maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. We'll do it now, but then I'll take it off later. It's like, just keep him on childhood, hun. On child support, not childhood. So they have a little fall festival at Nova School, and it's really cute. Devon comes and Stella, this is, like, the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. Stella, well, right after she pukes all over herself, which, like, Oh, poor Bray. She, like, pulls Stella's shirt up so Stella will puke into the shirt. I was like, that is mom-level expert. Like, I was so impressed with that. (laughs) But then Devon comes and Stella's, like, frantically waving her arms so that, like, once she notices Devon, like, I, my heart, like, grew ten sizes. She was, like, Frantically wave your arms and Devon, like, as soon as Devon was, like, within arm reach of her, like, put her arms out so he would hold her. And then he was, like, sn- holding her and she was snuggling him and uh, Brie put her hands back out, like, you want to come to mommy? And she was like, no. It's really cute that Stella is bonding with Devon because, as I've said, Devon is their broke-ass cousin. So it's great that Stella's getting a relationship with their bum cousin. You know, it doesn't matter No, that's not true. I was about to say it doesn't matter if her dad's not in her life. That's absolutely false. But Devon can be a positive, you know, male figure in Stella's life. And I think, as we know, there are not a lot of men in the DeJesus world. As I think Princess was saying, like, it's all abuelas and tias and great tias. And I don't know how you would say great tia, like great aunt in Spanish. But 
like, family friends all seem to be women. There don't seem to be, like, any male figures at all that hang around. And so if Devon could be that for Stella, like, I think that's great. As long as Devon keeps coming around and keeps his shit together, I am worried about what Devon's relationship with Nova and Stella looks like post-teen mom. I think, unfortunately, a big part of him coming around is the fact that MTV is there and he's getting an MTV paycheck. Um, I have to wonder, like, how much, you know, how much money he gets from that. No, I have to wonder, like, if MTV isn't there to CC Nova, I'm not sure. And I'm also not sure if the Jesus women, like, get that. <laughs> I think, and I, it's not because they're stupid. It's because I think they're just so hyped on the fact that Devon is coming around that they're, like, not putting a lot of critical thought into why he's coming around. But I would be curious to know, like, if, like, ex- exactly how much he's coming around. Uh, they talk about what Lewis is going to do once he gets to Florida, and they say that, like, Roxanne is just, like, such an optimist when it comes to these baby daddies. She says that, like, it's all going to be based on Stella's reaction when she sees Lewis. And Roxanne says that, like, if Stella doesn't give him, a like, a familiar reaction, that then Brie can say, like, the, you know why she did this. This is your fault. You're not around. Like, and use it for motivation. And that will motivate him to want to be around more. And Brie and Brittany are like, he hasn't... Lewis doesn't give a fuck. He hasn't tried at all. But Roxanne is like... Look at Devon coming around. That's what it's going to be like for Lewis eventually. But Lewis is a lot older than Devon, I think. And Lewis is another kid. I do think part of, I mean, of course, as I just said, I think MTV is a big motivating factor, Devon. But I really do believe that part of it is like Devon is growing up and he like really struggled and was like homeless and getting arrested. And I think that the fact is like Devon's like 23, I think. You know, and he was like 16 or 17 when he had Nova. And I think that him growing up is like a big part of the fact that he's like maturing and coming around. And I think Lewis is like significantly older than Bray. Like, I think he's 30. Um, I'm pretty sure Bree's like 24 and he's like 30. And he has like a nine-year-old daughter that apparently he isn't very involved with. So I'm... It, it's a little, you know, you can, like, give a lot more leeway for somebody who had a child at 17 and then starts coming around a lot more when he's, like, 23, 24, because that makes sense. Like, yeah, they should have been around the whole time, but we all do stupid shit as teens, and then we hit our, like, our mid-20s and we start to grow up a little bit, but, like, when you're 30 and you're not coming around, like, that's not for your immaturity, you know? That's because you're a deadbeat dad, <laughs> Lewis. I'm wondering if you'll be back on the show. I know I've said I'd never go on a reality show and I do feel that way, but if I was already on a reality show, like, Lewis obviously was already fine with being on the show, like, my ass would be moving back to Florida so I could be on the show. (laughs) I never would have left so I could have been a full-time character and at least got some sort of check. (laughs) Okay, let's go to Chelsea. Chelsea explains to us the custody agreement. And, okay, here's my question. 
you can feel free to disagree with me. Chelsea says that the Lynns keep violating the custody order. As far as I know, they have not violated the custody order since they went back to court, like, last season. Right? Except for the one time at their house, which was serious. As I've said last week, like, the first thing I would have done was call my lawyer. Like, I... Chelsea was not... She's not in the wrong. But she keeps saying the Lynns keep violating the custody agreement. The Lynns keep violating the custody agreement. But, like, do they? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, apparently Adam's mom has texted her three times and Chelsea just said, like, it, this weekend won't work. Their visit won't work. And throughout this episode, I'm like, can she just withhold visits? Isn't that in violation of the court order? Like, she keeps saying, like, I think we're just going to pause visits. And I'm like, can you just pause court order visitation? But at the end of the episode, she answers that basically, like, yes, technically she would be in violation of the court order, but Adam would have to take her to court. The Lynns don't actually have legal standing to take her to court for that because it's not their custody agreement. It's Adam's custody agreement. So she's like not that worried about it. And that was interesting. I was not glad to hear that, but I was glad we were like getting that information. I think that Chelsea is livid that the Lynns want Adam to be involved in Aubrey's life. She's so mad. She's so mad about it. But here's what I don't understand. If I'm Chelsea, like, why would you agree to letting Adam come to the school whenever he wants to go? Well, it's probably not whenever he wants to go. It's like a lunch once a week, whatever, and school stuff. Like, why did she agree to that lunch date if she doesn't want him to do it? That's what drives me fucking insane about Chelsea. Is that she, like, you agree to that custody or you don't get to be mad that Adam is now taking advantage of it. Now, I understand that she's frustrated that he blew off the visitation center. And, like, they're mad because they feel like the Lynns are dragging Adam to the school lunch. But the fact is, Aubrey likes it. And that's what, get, like, really kills me is that I don't think Chelsea is able to see beyond her anger on behalf of Aubrey for how Aubrey actually feels. Because Aubrey is still little. And they constantly are describing adult feelings and emotions to her. Have you guys noticed that? I mean, it comes with this whole adoption thing where they're, like, letting it be Aubrey's choice. Even though she's very young. Guys, she's in third grade. Like, she's very young still. As I've said before, I don't think Aubrey even understands what adoption is. I don't think I really understood what adoption was when I was nine. Um... They're constantly, like, talking about, you know, I just think Chelsea has such an adult anger towards Adam, which is understandable because she's an adult, that she is unable to see it through Aubrey's eyes. And she just wants Adam to, to and she said this before, and I don't blame her for this, because this is an adult response, where she just wants Adam to totally go away and either, like, be totally out of Aubrey's life or be totally in Aubrey's life. And I agree with that as an adult, but that's not how a child sees it. A nine-year-old does not say, like, I either want my dad to be in my life 100% or I never want to see him again. A nine-year-old says, well, I want to see my dad. You know, they don't have, like, this long-term thought process 
on what happens, like the repercussions of dad coming in and out of your life. They don't understand that instability and like the impact it will have on them in the long run. That's not how children's brains work. So for Chelsea to like get mad about it, basically to Aubrey is what really bothers me. And to not have the ability to like, at least on camera, even look at it from Aubrey's perspective is like very jarring. I don't understand why she like never says it's so frustrating that Adam is coming to these visits because like, you know, he's in, he's here when he's here and he's not when he's not. But like, I understand why Aubrey enjoys the visit. So like, I wouldn't want to take that away from her. She never, like, she only seems to care about Aubrey when it comes to like Cole stuff and not when it comes to Adam stuff. So when Chelsea tells Mandy that his parents have texted her three times, she's like, what does Cole say about this? Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what happens. Sorry, I read my uh, my text, my notes wrong. As I said, Chelsea texted them back and said, this weekend won't work and we're not sure what we're going to do about the visits because you violated the order so many times. And Mandy's like, you said that? You said that? You said that? Like, we're all supposed to be proud of Chelsea for fucking... That's not even standing up for yourself. She sent a fucking text that is, like, bare minimum information. And Mandy's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You said that? Honey, I'm so proud of you. Like, give me a fucking break. Chelsea getting rewarded for doing the bare minimum is her entire life. And that's why she's such a fucking baby and can't stick up for herself. Ooh, I'm getting worked up, guys. I'm getting worked up. I got real worked up when I watched this. Mandy's like, what did Cole say about you texting that? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, why, why would I care about Cole, what Cole said about Chelsea literally just sending facts to the lens? And she's like, he's really proud of me. <laughs> It's just so stupid. It's so stupid. Why, like, and, and, we're supposed to be applauding Chelsea for standing up for herself. Why didn't she send that the day they violated the fucking order and saying, uh, we're putting visits on hold because you violated the order today. They, the Lynns have to text her multiple times to get a response from her about the visitation And Chelsea's mad at them for asking, but she never fucking told them that they're going to withhold visits. It's insane. It's so, it's so insane. She has such little personal, like, interpersonal skills. Chelsea's EQ is so low. I don't know how she has friends, to be honest. I wonder if, like, she has, that's probably why she only has two friends. (sighs) So she goes to pick up Aubrey from school and lets us know she hasn't even talked to the lawyer yet. And I'm assuming this has been a full month because they only get visitation once a month and they're expecting it this coming weekend. It's like, how do you not call the lawyer that Monday after the violated order? And as soon as Aubrey gets in the car, who came to lunch? You know, starts the drill right away. We find out that Donna and Adam went to see her. And she's like, so did they say anything about the visit? And Aubrey's like, well, no, not really. And Chelsea's like, did they say anything about this upcoming visit? And Aubrey says no. And Chelsea says, don't lie to me. 
that's guys that enraged me Aubrey clearly did not want to speak to her mother about this I'm guessing especially on camera okay do I like I understand that it's probably very frustrating for Chelsea that the Lynn's talk to Aubrey and she has no control over what they say but that's how life works the way that you counteract that is by loving your child, giving them stability, giving them a safe place, listening to their feelings, and making it clear that they can talk to you about anything. That Chelsea made Aubrey rat out the lens on camera was so upsetting to me. It's so unfair. Aubrey did not sign up to talk shit about her grandparents on TV. It's so wrong. If I was the lens, I'd be like devastated to see that. I just, it's so shitty. And she clearly did not want to talk about it, but Chelsea kept digging. Aubrey says like the most civil answer that she could give. I don't think civil is the word I'm looking for. Political is also not the word I'm looking for. A word that means like she says, she understands Look, it's possible Aubrey wasn't even telling the truth. The most diplomatic response that she could give. She says, well, Grandma Donna said that she wanted to visit this weekend, but Mom said it wouldn't work out. That's totally fine. That's actually the truth. That's fine. That's totally fine. That's not talking shit about Chelsea. That's not talking shit about the custody agreement. That's what happened. And Chelsea starts to say, like, well... Did you know Grandma Donna hasn't texted me back? And I'm like, why does Aubrey need to know about any text with Grandma Donna? Why is that? Why is she confiding with Aubrey about her text communication with Donna? Why is she having this conversation? Chelsea looks terrible in this conversation. And Aubrey, look, I don't use this phrase often, but Aubrey drags her mother. She drags her. She goes, well, what was she, what would she even say back? <laughs> and Chelsea goes, well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry, but when your nine-year-old is shutting down your gossip section session, which is what that was, she was just trying to gossip with her. That's a drag. Like, there. Aubrey, like, is being the adult in that situation. She doesn't want to talk about her grandparents on camera. She doesn't want to gauge in gossiping about her grandmother with her mom. And she doesn't want to hear about the fight that her mom is having with her grandparents. But Chelsea has no regard for that. None. And Chelsea's like, well, I just want you to understand what's going on. They've broken what they're supposed to do so many times, and I just want you to know what's going on. And it's like, this bitch knows what's going on. She's known what's going on. Like, we know she knows what's going on because she told the Lynn's in front of Cole that, like, they violated the custody agreement. Like, they've had a million talks about it. There was none of that conversation in the car needed to happen. Here's how that conversation should have gone. How was your day? It was good. Did you see Grandma Donna at lunch today? Yeah, my dad came. Oh, did you have a good time? Yeah, I like to see them. That's great. That's it. That's all that needed to be said for this whole thing 
where Chelsea drags information about her out of her, gossips about the phone texts that they're having. It's just, it's so inappropriate. She's handling that situation completely wrong. So they go over to Mary's house and Chelsea sends Aubrey away and Mandy asks, like, uh, if Aubrey is upset that Chelsea can't go to her grandparents' house and Chelsea's like, it doesn't seem like it. It's like, but have you asked her? <laughs> How she asks her and Chelsea goes, you know, they talk to her about it. It's like, like you talk to her about it. <sighs> Chelsea says, I can't just let them say whatever they want about it. This is what I mean by Chelsea being very immature with a low IQ low EQ, emotional intelligence. Yes, you can let them say whatever they want about it because you don't have control over what anyone does. All you can do is be a good parent to Aubrey. All you can do is if you feel that she's genuinely not safe at the Lynn's house and that the Lynn's have violated the court order, all you can do is go back to court and change the court order. All you can do is talk to your lawyer all you can do is tell Aubrey how much you love her. You cannot control what the Lynn's say and do. And all she's doing is putting Aubrey in the middle of it. You know, don't play into these bullshit games. So uh, she goes and talks to Randy. I guess it's like a different time. And she tells Randy that Aubrey hasn't been going to the Lynn's. And Randy's like, have they asked? And she's like, oh, yeah. Something that also bothers me is... Chelsea wants us to believe that the Lynns are the bad people for wanting to see their grandchild. <laughs> like, I, I, the Lynns should absolutely have apologized for the custody violation, the custody agreement violation, but I'm also not sure what Chelsea wants from them in this aftermath, like what she wanted them to say when she said, I'm not sure how visits are going to work out. I'm not sure what we're going to do going forward. So when they text back and say, okay, well, can we have her? And Chelsea is, like, mad that they're ignoring that text. Like, does she want to fight? What does she want? So now she's just ignoring them because they didn't give her the right response, I guess. I don't know. I really don't know. So Chelsea says that she's mad about the school lunches. And Brandy goes, but does she like it about Aubrey? And Chelsea's response is, but it's annoying. She doesn't even fucking pause to say that, yeah, Aubrey really likes it, which is hard for me because I just find it so frustrating that, like, they get to still have these lunches even though they're violating the agreement. I find it so frustrating that Adam blew us off at the visitation center and that we she doesn't see him at the visitation center, but he'll randomly show up to these lunches. But you know what? She likes it and I... I can't stop her from liking it, and I'm not trying to stop her from liking it. No, it's all about how it's annoying to Chelsea. That's why this whole storyline is so frustrating, because she just, it's just about Chelsea and Chelsea being inconvenienced. You know, it started off pretty well, I thought, but Chelsea's really showing her ass here, if you will. So Chelsea has been talking to her lawyer, and she, like, mentions that the lawyer brought up adoption and literally a huge grin spreads across her face. It's so obvious that this is what Chelsea wants to do. I don't understand why they just don't do it. <laughs> like, just do it, Chelsea. Like, just do it. Just do it. Um, Chelsea says that, like, she doesn't want to do it without Aubrey being okay with it once again. But Randy 
says like, so you guys are worried that like there will be a custody fight if something happens to you. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I don't think Cole would even have a right to him or a right to her. So what that's what I was saying is that like, you know, it's it's very possible that there wouldn't be while there is a slim possibility. Tomlin, who worked in family law for a while, told me that it's like such a slim possibility that she would go to the Lynn's like it's very, very unlikely even though I thought that it might be a little more likely, she says that most likely wouldn't happen. But as Randy pointed out, like, I think what is possible, and I think the Lynn's would do, is that there would be a custody fight. And now that might not actually affect Aubrey, but it could be a mess. Um, And it's definitely, it's a worst case scenario situation because nothing most likely is going to happen to Chelsea, but it's definitely something that they have to think about. And I would be, if I was Chelsea, very worried about the Lynn's if I something happened to me, the Lynn's, even if they weren't successful, like putting my family through the stress and Aubrey through the stress of a custody fight uh, post my death. So Randy let us know that he always hoped Adam would grow up and be a good parent, but he's really losing out hope. And I think all of us have lost hope. And as I've said, like, I don't know if Chelsea genuinely wants this to be like, if Chelsea's only concern about this adoption is that she wants Aubrey to be the one that asked for it and Aubrey to be the one that's okay with it, then I think that she needs to be, like, way looser with Aubrey and her relationship with the Lynns. Because, not looser, but, like, way less, like, prying information out about the lunches and that type of stuff. Because if they're not going to go forward with the adoption, then the Lynns have that custody right, you know, to have these lunches and to have their visitations. But, like, do you guys, does that make sense? I just, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me that, like, she is, on one hand, so angry at the Lynn's and fighting about the Lynn's, and then on the other hand being like, well, I don't want to go through with the adoption. So if you're not going to go through with the adoption, then you have to accept that this is the custody situation or not go through with the adoption, but go and get these fucking visitations ended and these lunch visits ended and her going to her grandparents ended, which she could probably do if they like went to an actual trial, because I think this has always been decided in mediation. And as she said, like, it's not Chelsea versus the Lynn's in court. It's Chelsea versus Adam. And Adam would have to even show up for court. (laughs) And I think that Chelsea could have a pretty good case if she wasn't going to terminate Adam's rights, but wanted to terminate these lunch and weekend visits. I mean, I don't know. I think she'd have at least a fighting shot at this if they brought it in front of a judge. But so you either have to do that. Like, go get your whole custody agreement modified. You have to do the adoption. Or you have to, like, figure something out with the Lynn's. You know, you don't have that many options. And if the Lynn's are involved in Aubrey's life, stop making her talk shit on them. I had a lot of, like, family drama in my family as a child. And I hated when my parents would, like... Well, I guess I didn't really do that. I don't know. I just hated as a child, like, being part of adult drama. I really hated it. And I know... There's no way that Aubrey doesn't hate it. And for her, like, that her response when Chelsea's like, well, did they say anything? Is no. And then Chelsea has to pry it out of her. Just stop, Chelsea. Just stop. Give your child a loving home. Give your child stability. Give your child a safe space to talk to you. And she will. The Lynn's, like, what are the Lynn's saying to her at lunch? That could be so bad. You know, I... 
we've never heard, like, well, I, maybe that's not true. I was going to say, I don't think we've ever heard on the show that, like, the Lynns were trash-talking Chelsea. But in the back of my head, I feel like they may have. I understand. I I do want to say, like, I understand where Chelsea's coming from. Because this is a situation in which she has very little control. But you have to understand that, like, you don't have control over other adults. I don't know. I just go through the adoption. That's where I am. As I've been all season. Like, you don't want to deal with the lens anymore in these fucking visitations? Go terminate Adam's rights, as they should be. And have your husband, who raises the girl, adopt her. And that's that on that. All right, guys. Love you. Have a good week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos